Well, coming up on this episode of the Retirement Pathfinder, we got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about interest rates, starting to maybe find a bit of a sweet spot. Barbara and Phil will provide an update on that. Plus, the power of delayed gratification. Sometimes it's it's very tempting to take the immediate reward, but there are a lot of situations where if you are able to wait, the delayed rewards could be very good for you down the road. So we'll talk about all that coming up. In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Well, great to have you inside the Retirement Pathfinder. I am Ben George, along with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. Good to talk to you both again over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. How are you today? We're doing great. How about you, Ben? Doing fantastic. I am doing well. Can't complain. This is, uh, I think, our our last episode of the year. Maybe one more. It would be. Yeah. Yeah, one more. Yep. Closing out on the year. You guys, uh, how, how do you look back on 2023? I know it's been kind of up and down in the markets, but just generally speaking, how do you all look back on the year? Well, we've had a really a, a very productive year this year, Ben. I think what's yeah. happened is that, uh, as we'll talk about in our interest rate discussion, I think things are kind of reverting back to normal, mm-hmm. um, or at least semi-normal. People are wanting to get out. They're wanting to spend money. I think the uh, cabin fever has uh, <laughs> forced them out of their their huddle. So I think, uh, yeah, we've actually... Um, I guess we've, uh, you know, we've taken on some really, really good uh, clients this last year, and uh, people are starting to really kind of say, "Hey, you know, uh, I think we feel confident enough to invest again," and um, and that's a good thing. Taking a look at tax issues, we've got a lot of clients that have uh, are starting to be a little bit concerned about taxes since uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act yep. expires in twenty twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, some things to keep an eye on, which I'm sure we'll talk about here on the podcast. But you mentioned it, Phil, so let's talk about it quickly. Interest rates, uh, they've been up. That's been a big time, I'm sure, topic of conversation for you and your clients over the last year or maybe 18 months even. But it seems like interest rates have leveled off a little bit. I've even maybe heard a little bit talk about them pulling back, maybe the Fed lowering some of those. What uh, What's the update on that? Well, you know, I guess the question too, Ben, is, you know, what should the Fed do right now? Uh, and according to Brian Westbury from uh, First Trust Banks is, uh, how about nothing? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for the first time in about 15 years, interest rates are, are just about right in the United States. You know, call it a sweet spot or he, he refers to it as the uh, natural rate. And um, yeah, inflation has went from 5.3% to right now about 42 But I think uh, according to him, you know, the question is, will the Fed get to you know, get ahead of themselves by reducing interest rates as inflation starts to drop even more. And that's that's the critical um, area, right, that they have to be careful of. That was the problem to begin with. I think, you know, we've had interest rates so low for many years, and it would have been okay. But what happened was when COVID hit, uh, we had so many dollars out there flooding the market with uh, so few products and services that you had, you know, the prices of, of goods and services had to go up right. because of the, of the lack of, of availability. Their supply lines were cut. The pandemic really, really is what um, what threw a wrench into the whole deal with regard to low interest rates, money supply available, uh, and goods and services not. And so we're starting to see a, uh, you know, a, a return to um, to those goods and services, you know, manufacturing's back up. Housing market is starting to get back up again uh, in terms of uh, of new uh, new building going on. However, you know, with interest rates being as high as they are, right. 
uh, it really has kind of thrown a little bit of a tailspin into the the housing market. So uh, housing market uh, inflation is still kind of high at this point, but most everything is has reverted back to, well, some say 3.2, Brian says 4.2, but I think we're going to see reasonable interest rates and reasonable inflation over the next year, provided uh, the Fed uh, doesn't lower the rates. If they lower the interest rates down, then that'll make more money available and we have a higher money supply again than we have possibly goods and services. So that could drive inflation as well. So it's a balancing act. Yeah. Yeah. Well, according to Brian, you know, the U.S. economy should still be, you know, this is just a judgment entering into a recession in 2024. Um, but the good news is that we, if you look at history, uh, historical inflation or uh, recession, they usually maybe four to five months. And yeah, they're not long. Back up. They're not yeah. long. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's it, the balance is, as you mentioned, is such a difficult thing to do. And you know, keeping an eye on that, it, it affects a lot of different things that we deal with on a day to day basis. So it's important to kind of keep an eye on. And I know you'll be updating mm-hmm. clients how on how it impacts them and and their investing and and just their overall financial planning as they go along throughout the year in 2024. So again, if you have questions for Barbara and Phil. The best place to start is pathfinderchat.com. You can schedule a time to meet with them just through the website, pathfinderchat.com. Find a time on their schedule that works for you and you're off and running. But we appreciate that update. I know we'll kind of keep an eye on that as, as things move forward. Hey there, just a quick break from the podcast for a moment to tell you how Barb and Phil are assisting clients every day in the office with some effective tax savings opportunities under the latest Secure Act 2.0 legislation. If you want to find out how much you could save, give them a call and schedule a free 15-minute initial consultation. Call 815-399-9806 or go to pathfinderchat.com. That's pathfinderchat.com and schedule your visit with just a few clicks. We'll also put the contact info in this episode's show notes. Now, back to the show. All right, let's jump into our main topic today. Patience pays is the power of delayed gratification. I'm going to share some situations here on the show in which people might choose to take the immediate benefit rather than the delayed reward. But we're going to talk about why it's important to wait potentially and how it could benefit you by having that patience. So let's begin with the 401k match. Now, this is seems like something obvious where you should take advantage of the money, but I know we're in the middle of the holiday season right now and budget's probably tight for a lot of people. And it's easy to say, I'm just going to skip my contribution this month. I'm going to keep a little extra money from the paycheck to use on bills and expenses and gifts, whatever it is, maybe even some charitable giving as well. But by doing that, you're leaving that free money on the table. And it's just such a, could be a huge mistake over time as that money compounds, right? Right. Yeah. You know, it's tempting then to think retirement is years away. And actually, if you're in your 30s, it is. If you don't contribute, though, at least to what your employer contributes, you're losing money. There's an average, it's about 4% is typical for what an employer will contribute. And you don't want to give up that money because if you're not contributing at least 4%, then the employer is not required to contribute anything. For those that have debt and a tight budget, we'll start by contributing something. You know, even if you can't get up to what the company matches, start by contributing something and then build up to that. Um, you have compound interest on your side when you're in your 30s. For example, if you have a salary of $40,000 and you contribute 5%, your employer contributes that 4%, you'd have about $560,000 at age 65. Versus, you know, if you're in your 50s, you'll have to contribute much more and work longer. So for a $40,000 salary, 
you'd have to contribute 20% plus the 4% employer match, and you'd have about $480,000 and have to work until age 70. Just a couple of examples there of how compound interest does work. Neither of those is enough for retirement, but you kind of get the picture. So how much should someone in their 60s have in their 401k? Well, according to Fidelity in March of this year in 2023, the average 401k balance for the 60 to 69 age group is about 182000 Wow. Yeah. The average 60-year-old should have between 800000 and $5 million, depending on company match and investment performance and, of course, lifestyle. Um, but we'd be glad to help you with your specific situation and needs if you wanted to reach out to us at pathfinderchat.com. Uh, but don't let time get away from you. Well, it is amazing, Barb, that uh, the different uh, reasons people uh, come up with as far as not saving uh, enough or, or even nothing uh, in their 401ks. I had a a prospect come in some years back that said that he wasn't going to put money into his 401k because he was afraid that the employer he worked for, who he didn't trust, by the way, uh, was going to steal it. And so, you know, of course, that's nonsense because the, the money is secreted elsewhere. It's protected. So the employer doesn't have access to it. Yeah. You know, I'd also heard too, well, my employer is not contributing anything. I've heard this several times years uh, ago. My employer is not contributing anything. So I'm not, you know, as if, right. as if it were a pension. Right. Yeah. They're missing the boat completely. If they understand, if, if you know, if they understand that this is, it's all on them. In fact, that's, yep. that's very important to understand that uh, they're responsible now for their, their retirement. Yes. That's the big point is, you know, someone more, more people are responsible and have to take it on to, on their own accord to, to position themselves for retirement. And part of that is just making sure you're putting that money in every single month. And that takes us yep. to our second item here as well, which is, you know, oftentimes we're putting that money into tax deferred accounts, which is great because it does save us on taxes for that year. And that's the immediate benefit that people often tend to lean into. But, you know, a lot of retirees today now, again, are looking back and thinking, man, I wish I would have put more money in a Roth and paid the taxes, you know, when I had that money and when I put the money into that account because now I'm facing a, a higher tax bill than I expected in retirement. Yeah, a little history is is probably warranted here, uh, Ben. Uh, several things have occurred that, to create what we call the ticking tax time bomb. Uh, and first of all, in the 1970s, after ERISA was passed, which was uh, a government basically tax bill that said uh, companies had the opportunity to opting out of their huge pensions and uh, and then therefore reduce their pension liabilities the employee was uh, was faced with uh, contributing to their own retirement plan at that point. So it went from uh, the responsibility of the company to the employee by way of the 401k or 403b. So whatever uh, he or she put away the money, uh, you know, that was going to be what they would look forward to in retirement. So to make the 401k look more appealing, companies began to match their employer contributions, as Barb just mentioned, up to a certain percentage, let's say 4% uh, match. And that was great. It's free money, basically, is what it amounted to, and so it does make sense uh, not to pass it up, or to pass. You know, it doesn't make sense to pass it up. Finally, you have what's called the miracle of compound interest, and uh, you know that began to work its magic. And over the years, these uh, pension plans, these particular four hundred and one k plans, rather, doubled, tripled, or even quadrupled. And so we have people walking through the door that were just rank and file uh, line workers that have a million, million and a half, two million dollars yeah. in their four hundred and one k plan. And uh, it's because of their diligence of saving the money, company matches, and of course, the magic of compound interest. Well, of course, 
One aspect of the 401k that most people don't really understand is that the worker only owns about two-thirds of what is accruing in that particular plan. Eventually, that uh, 401k plan will be reduced or the IRA will be reduced because of distributions made uh, during the minimum required distribution phase or at death due to taxes. And uh, that's really, we say that that particular 401k recipient is really in business with the IRS yeah. at that point, right? Now, now comes a form of, of IRA that has uh, some type of a potential to reduce the ticking tax time bomb, and it's called the Roth IRA or the Roth 401k. So Roths were introduced uh, back in 1998 and are funded with after-tax dollars. Once funded, the dollars are invested in stocks, bonds, uh, mutual funds, or ETFs, and, and they have the advantage of accumulating 100% totally tax-free once the account has been open for at least a five-year period of time. So here's the long and short of it. Uh, you can choose to have either a taxable account available to fund your retirement or tax-free, which makes more sense to you. And then when you pass on your legacy at death, it can either be taxable to your kids or tax-free. Again, which one makes more sense? You say, but Phil, uh, we're already retired. Can we still benefit by a Roth IRA? And a lot of people are confused about this, but the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. It's called a Roth conversion IRA. And you can convert your current IRA or 401k to a non-taxable Roth. And uh, there's no age limit to do this and there's no dollar amount. So it's, uh, you know, if you go ahead and do the whole thing, which we don't recommend, by the way, we recommend you do this incrementally over a period of time, but you do it at a lower tax uh, schedule now then wait till later on when it's really built up and you're having to pay taxes at a higher rate. So mm -hmm. if you wish to contribute to a Roth IRA uh, by way of a what we call the Roth conversion IRA, you can do so. Uh, give us a call. We'll tell you how to do that at pathfinderchat.com. You know, Phil, you, you probably heard this. Um, many people thought, as they were told, that they'd be in a lower tax bracket when they retired. Oh, yes. Right. Right. And, you know, actually they could be, but, you know, we can't control Congress and we also can't control what's going to happen when RMBs kick in because they could push them in the higher tax bracket. Um, but one of the things to mention is employers will some employers will contribute to the Roth 401k, but not all. So mm. um, those that don't, what you could do is uh, contribute in the pre-tax account up to the company match and then contribute the rest of your 401k to the Roth 401k. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, some good options there. But again, worth considering uh, the Roth, uh, either putting money into that or the Roth conversion. But again, if you want to learn more about that and see if it fits what you're trying to accomplish, if it makes sense for you, go to pathfinderchat.com, schedule a time to meet with Barbara and Phil there. Again, pathfinderchat.com. All right. When we talk about delayed gratification, this is one that immediately comes to mind when I think about retirement planning, and that's Social Security. I've learned from both of you about the power of waiting oftentimes with Social Security, right? And so many people believe I need to turn it on when I turn 62 as soon as I can start getting my monthly benefit. Who knows? Maybe the reason is you think it's going to run out of money for what, you know, or you just think, hey, I just want to start getting that income. Whatever the reason, it's worth having a discussion and figure out what strategy is best for you because many times waiting often provides you a better return on that money that you've been putting in your entire working career. Yeah, you're right, Ben. There's times when it's okay to collect early if you have health problems, or if you need the income to meet your expenses, then you have to begin benefits early. But claiming Social Security is a person-by-person -person decision. 
uh, what we're, we've been able to do is help our clients decide when the best time is to begin benefits. And we would know actually month by month what the increase would be if you waited. So if you're able to wait until age 70, you have been given an 8% per mm-hmm. year simple interest increase in benefits. And people are healthier now, they're living longer. And if you're married, consideration of one spouse waiting to collect could be beneficial because when one spouse passes, the remaining spouse will collect the higher benefit. As a general rule, it would be better if you waited until at least your full retirement age of 66, you know, or right now, 67 if you're born after 1950. Um, The break-even age is right around age 80, between age 80 and 82. So whether you collect a reduced benefit at 62, your full benefit at 66, uh, or now if you're born, as I said, 1950 or later, 67, or wait until age 70 to collect the highest benefit, it's all the same in benefits if you live to age 80. Uh, with people living into their 90s, it mm-hmm. may make sense to wait. If you if you collect that highest benefit at 70 plus your cost of living adjustments, that's a good 20 plus years of taking that highest benefit versus a at 62, a permanently reduced benefit. Uh, we've helped many people decide on the, when, when is the best time to take your benefits, and we'd be happy to discuss your situation with you as well. Yeah, it is interesting to to learn all the different uh, reasons why people want to take their benefit at age 62, Barb, you know. Uh, it's not going to be there. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. They they basically they're they're making their decision based on the life expectancy of their parents, mm. and maybe their parents died younger, you know, or grandparents. Yeah. I mean, you know, gosh, yeah. uh, life expectancy during the time of the Civil War was like forty nine. Okay, so amazing. Yeah, so I mean, uh, with the on onset of uh, of uh, modern medical science, uh, we're all living longer. I mean, we do have that opportunity. So that's not a really good reason to. Uh, take it early. And uh, so we we recommend people take it to, like you say, you know, their their normal retirement age and uh, and try to maximize their their income. Yeah. You know, the stock market is unpredictable. But did you know that that volatility can wreak havoc on your retirement savings if you're not prepared? Don't leave your future to chance. Let Pathfinder Wealth Management help you navigate these turbulent waters. With over 70 years of combined experience and a fiduciary responsibility since 1996, they have the expertise to guide you through market ups and downs. Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky are dedicated to educating clients and empowering you to make informed decisions. To get in touch, book a 15-minute chat with them today by visiting pathfinderchat.com and take control of your retirement plan. Don't let market volatility derail your future. Visit pathfinderchat.com or visit the link in the description of today's show. All right, one more on my list for you both is working with the wrong advisors. So you might say, well, what do you mean? This isn't doesn't seem like delayed gratification, but the immediate reward we usually get by sticking with maybe the wrong fit is we don't have, to have those tough conversations. We don't have to sit down with someone that we have a relationship with, maybe have grown to like and and have the conversation that, hey, I think I might might be better for me to move on and and find someone different to work with. But you know, these relationships change, don't they, over time? And you want to make sure you're with the right person. Yeah, exactly. In fact, when I was first introduced to the financial services profession many years ago, and and in those years, uh, Ben, we used something called an abacus uh, (laughs) to do the calculations. Um, Barb came along a little later, so they use a slide roll instead. But (laughs) anyhow, (laughs) life seemed yeah, yeah, life seemed much uh, simpler, or so it, it seemed at that point. But most families had their company pension plan that they could depend on back in those days in the early uh, 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. And there were really three individuals that 
did most of the financial planning for the client. It was an insurance agent, a stockbroker, and a banker. And I was initially attracted to the financial business because of all the education that we were looking to 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 basically put out there and uh, and dispense to to the public. I mean, nothing was being done in the way of education. So I I remember how difficult it was to uh, convince prospects to begin saving money for the future outside of their whole life or cash value life insurance policy. No. Heavens forbid, yeah. you know. It's uh, but in the 1980s, the concept of buy term and invest in the savings account outside the policy, like in a mutual fund, was a novel concept. In fact, the life insurance industry, which makes and did make its greatest profits selling whole life insurance, they spent millions of dollars to uh, in campaigns to dissuade people from dropping their policies and going with the evils of buy term and invest the difference. And they really, it was a campaign. It was really a kind of a, uh, a rally cry. And I know it sounds kind of strange, that the big traditional companies out there would try to convince their clients that a $20,000 life insurance death benefit was better than a $200,000 life insurance benefit for the same premium. Yeah, that's a hard sell. Isn't that something? I mean, you know, yeah, that's what they tried to do. And uh, well, of course, common sense won out over a period of time and the entire industry changed. And that was a good thing because it was in the in the public's best interest yeah. that they get the, uh, the lowest priced, highest quality product for the dollar. So the original question really deals with working with the wrong advisor. And I, I have to be kind of careful here because I would prefer to believe that most advisors are are not really working against their client's best interest. Well, the difficulty is that that most agents, when they come into the business, are trained as salespeople first and advisors last. So if a financial rep gains his income or her income primarily from commission sales, it's very difficult to stay objective, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, okay, who's paying the most amount of commission on on a life insurance policy or an annuity or a mutual fund or whatever. The industry is very slow in moving away from what we call the suitability standard toward what we call the fiduciary standard. And a fiduciary, of course, is a person that has to do, legally has to do what's in the best interest of that client. Normally, it's an independent person, and they have the freedom to select these products or services that really would do the client the most amount of good. Um, so another thing that is helpful to look for uh, in a in a fiduciary is someone who is holistic. And that person has a skill to blend the various disciplines together. So as an example, the tax the tax planning that we do should be an integral part of the income planning and the investment planning. But you know, it's really interesting, Barb, that the big firms often prevent their financial reps from offering taxes, tax advice, or even estate planning to their clients. They just feel yeah. that it's kind of stepping over the line as far as uh, legality. And it's not true. I mean, those those areas are very important when it comes to preparing people for their retirement. The idea is to be uh, both an advisor and an implementer with the highest degree of skill. That's what you want to do is find somebody like that. So if you feel that you have outgrown your rep uh, or agent and need a higher level of expertise Go online to pathfinderchat.com for a 15-minute complimentary conversation, and, and we can illustrate some of these differences. Yeah, you know, when we teach our class, the taxes in retirement class, we mm -hmm. have so many people come in and say, well, my advisor doesn't do anything but manage our money. And so, you know, they don't provide anything else as far as, you know, uh, tax-saving opportunities, right. you know, talking about estate planning. So, you know, I've guided my clients if it gets to be they, they're a little uncomfortable with that talk, I suppose, if you will. 
Some you'd be surprised. They don't even get a phone call from their previous advisor once they leave anyways. But, right. you know, some it's like, oh, I'll just keep it. I've kind of uh, suggested they keep things real simple. But if they can't provide what the client needs at that time in their life, then there's not too much that that other advisor can say anyway. You know, right. So it seems, to, it seems to work out. Yeah. You want to have the right fit. It's it's ultimately your money. You're going to care about it more than anybody else. And you want to make sure you're working with the person that can align your goals and needs with where you want to go and, and help you get there with the right plan. So starting uh, with yep. the starting with the conversation is, is the best thing to do. And you can always do that by going to pathfinderchat.com. You'll find the calendar that you can find a time that works for you and begin that process with Barbara and Phil but again, these are just four situations where it's going to probably be better, not always, but probably be better for you to wait and defer that reward to later on in time. And you'll be thanking yourself down the road when you do that. It's not easy, but it's better for you. All right, Barbara and Phil, as always, thanks for the time today. And it's been a great year. I've enjoyed spending this time with you over the course of 2023. And I look forward to talking to you again next year. Yeah, I want to thank all of our listeners so much and keep uh, the questions coming. We love answering them. Yeah, and a happy holiday to everybody, too. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. For Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky over at Pathfinder Wealth Management, I am Ben George. Have a good week. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.